The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show brought to you by the Five Book at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. And today we are wrapping up the best of the Kist and Solak recap shows from the 2019 Philadelphia Eagles season. If you're late to the party, how this works is each week the KNS is on reaction duty for Eagles games and we give our thoughts and analysis after each one. And what I've done is I've taken the best parts of those shows and clipped them up to what amounts to five different compilations. This, of course, is the fifth installment as we highlight the final games, which are week 17 against the Giants, where the Eagles officially clinch the division and punch their ticket to the playoffs. And of course, the wildcard round where they exited said playoffs against the Seattle Seahawks. A few times throughout the season, Brandon Lee Gowton had to fill in for my usual co-host Benjamin Solak. That's the case here as well for Week 17 when we kick this off. That's technically a BGN radio, and then Solak returns for the wildcard round. But enough qualifying. You've heard these. You've listened to these. You understand the score. Let's get to the show. Week 17, Philadelphia 34, New York Giants 17. Eagles have won the NFC East. They are the NFC East champions after beating the New York Giants 34 to 17 in a game where pretty much everybody died. Everyone was injured. Just an absurd game. Close for a while. Dallas wins. It does not matter. The Eagles are crowned the NFC East champs. They're going to the playoffs. Brother, BGN Radio episode 99. How you doing, BLG? What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? Let's How go. do you like those Eagles, baby? You're watching the earlier games, and you see the Dolphins upset the Patriots. And then you see the Packers and the 3-11-1 David Blau-led Lions take the Packers to the limit because Aaron Rodgers has a horrendous start, among other factors. And you get like that any given Sunday type of vibe from all the 1 o'clock games as you head into this win. This one had my nerves jumping, and me and Ben were pretty nervous about this one all week. We definitely didn't see this as a gimme game. And then we find out Zach Ertz is not only out for the game, but perhaps the season with a broken rib and lacerated kidney. But again, 
on the road. Divisional opponent, opponent that's been playing better over the last two weeks against an Eagles team that's all types of banged up and then lacking weapons and missing key players. And I don't know how you could feel good about this one coming into it. And the game starts and the first thing that happens is Boston Scott muffs the kickoff and the Eagles <laughs> are start at their own seven yard line. And you're like, here we go. Like, this is how it starts. And throughout the game, Miles Sanders, who's playing really well in the first drive, had like 45 combined yards really early in the game in the first quarter. He goes out with an ankle. Brandon Brooks gets hurt on, a, on an extra point or whatever it was with the, with the shoulder. Zach Ertz, you know, Lane Johnson, Deshaun Jackson's out for the season. Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby, Nelson, Ag, like all these different guys. Like, there's nobody there. You had the stat from, from Ruben Frank saying that the Eagles had over 200 yards of offense from guys that were on the practice squad throughout the season. That's over half of the total yardage they had in this game. They had 400 total yards. That's wild. And Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, 23 for 40, 289, one touchdown, throwing to guys like Boston Scott, throwing to guys like Deontay Burnett and Robert (laughs) Davis and Josh Perkins. Like you can't say enough about the resilience of this team when the chips are down. This is two years in a row that they're three years in a row. I mean, who wins a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback? This is three years in a row. Doug has pulled his team from the abyss, from desperation and gotten them to the playoff. It's it's absurd, man. Well, on one hand, it's almost like, hey, guys, would be nice if you didn't always have to wait (laughs) until your back's we're literally against the wall and there was like no margin fair to do this, you know, yeah. like it would be nice to kind of just dominate. Like that's the goal I feel like, but yeah, I mean, Oh my God, you can't say enough. Like th- things about like heart and effort can be so overrated in sports. I feel like we talked yeah. about that a lot, probably here on BGN radio and momentum and, show. And, yeah. but, like, <laughs> and momentum, but like, this is just like gutty, man. This is this is hard to lose those guys. And then like there were guys who were just dropping out of the game who didn't necessarily, you know, have to get like carted off like Brooks did. But like Brandon Graham has to come out at one point. Like Maddox has to come out. Yep. Craig James, who's right. like, how is he? He's not even playing. How is, he, how is he getting hurt? Like everyone's dropping like flies. Jordan Howard wasn't even healthy for this game. Like he was active, but we, like there was one running back at the end of the game there because it was very clear that they weren't going to play Howard, which is super weird why they dressed him. But anyway, please continue. Yeah, Howard, I think like one snap. Or two, yeah. like maybe he had the one on the uh, the big Bob Davis reception. I got called back by a penalty, right. but yeah, so he was barely in the game. Uh, so they're riding Boston Scott, who again was not on the team in Week One. Carson Wentz, you cannot say enough about this man. You guys were mocking, and I in a in a, in a good way. You're right to him, not mocking you for mocking yeah. people but you were talking about like the whole elevate thing a couple, yeah. like just a couple weeks ago he has freaking done that with this team now doug peterson has helped it's not literally all just carson but like at the crux of it you're paying carson wentz 128 million dollars to be your franchise quarterback and he has been just that that is mike that is part of what makes this run here so exciting it's not just about it's not just about the season like they've answered long-term questions that were being raised you know after that dolphins loss like is doug the right coach ultimately yeah. you know it wasn't like they're gonna get rid of him after this year but do they right. need to adjust the staff and and then you know where do we go from there it was well it was like is is doug just a product of frank reich for this you know second year in a row it was is carson wentz uh you know better than nick Foles? like that's done finito yeah. in the words of pat Shermer, is probably going to be fired it's like that's over but can you imagine for carson wentz who by the way over four thousand yards the first uh, eagles quarterback to do that and the first one to do it without having a 500 yard wide receiver right ever <laughs> which is which is crazy, and that's exactly goes to my point. Can you imagine the week one starting lineup? We're at the point 
where none of them, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Miles Sanders was the starter for that game. You could even count Jordan Howard based on his health for, for this game. And then Zach Ertz has none of them available to him by, by at some point in this week 17 game. If Nelson doesn't, re- doesn't regress, if Alshon isn't banged up for the entire season, if Deshaun doesn't go out for the, if one of those things, just one of them happens, what does this season look like for Carson Wentz? Do you get more stable play? Do you get even better numbers that you had? You're obviously going to have more wins because of the game winning drops early on in the season. Like that doesn't get talked about enough, but then we don't have to talk about it because he takes this ragtag group <laughs> and takes them to the playoffs on his back. Game that we were worried about because the Giants had put up what com- a combined 77 points over the previous two games and the Eagles are able to get some key turnovers and some key spots. Brother, that, that play by by Malcolm Jenkins to strip it out with Fletcher Cox recovering it like that was the moment on the low snap Cox recovers it at the New York Giant to Boston Scott punches it in Sidney Jones would not be denied he has made three big plays for this team two big breakups one on third down against the Giants and on fourth down against the Cowboys and it gets an interception in this game just just a great performance I mean the, the Giants on the first four drives only had 13 plays for 20 yards and I know they they busted in just typical Eagles fashion like BLG what was going through your mind when the Eagles go up 17 to 10 on the back of a nine play 62 yard three minute drive you got the over the shoulder boulder holder to dallas goddard on third and eight what a, a, a crazy catch the boston scott seven yard touchdown and immediately the giants answer with a 68 yard touchdown scamper to make it 17 17 what was your confidence level at that point uh it was shaken mike <laughs> michael uh just because i know you just saw it on the drive before like how it takes that dallas goddard catch how it takes like Deontay Burnett making a play or yeah. I don't even I have my drive screwed up I don't know but that was the next one in any yeah. case so like it, it takes like plays like that just to you know it takes a lot of effort basically is what I'm trying to say for yeah. the Eagles to score and then like the Giants it's just uh, you know Saquon's down the field it's easy uh, like it, it's just that's not what the Eagles are able to do with what they have right and to their credit the Eagles are able to go on these drives like seemingly unsustainably in theory but <laughs> but they are sustaining it each week I don't know how but they are doing it it's, it's not even that I lost faith in the team as a whole as much as just you know the, the style they have to play it's like well you know now they're okay they're gonna have to do another drive and if it doesn't work or you know if they get set back god forbid by like a holding penalty or you know like a sack or something right you know it's hard for them to overcome it they're not overcoming like third and 16 because <laughs> because no one's getting open yep. uh they, they don't have the horses really to do that the pressure was getting there i feel like for for a good chunk of the game they had four sacks you know, Derek, Jones barnett, the ball, Derek barnett right? hit two beautiful spin moves in this game had a key sack your, guy, Brandon, your favorite player my fa- i mean i gotta give him credit man and brandon graham had himself a day man a real day now you know Maddox gets banged up in this game and obviously Darby's out of the lineup and then Jalen Mills didn't play in this game so Strap basically only got some more playing time because there's injuries and he was awesome he had multiple stops on like third downs he had the fourth down stop on Saquon uh like he was awesome in this yeah. game and it's it's amazing because it's like deja vu from last year like the, the Eagles claimed him off waivers out of nowhere and Strap is like making all these plays, and it's like, who is this guy? And he's doing it again. And then, and then now you're, you have the offense version this year with Boston Scott, who again deserves a lifetime contract. Like it's just amazing. So for all the uh, the crap, 
I give the personnel staff. People deserve credit for that. Yeah, I, I think so much of like the next man thing can be kind of overrated because at some point, like you can't literally just put anyone in there. There's no <laughs> like, more men. You need, yeah, you need some baseline. Like, yeah, it's not even like the next man. It's like the next, 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 next man at yeah. this point. And like for Joshua Perkins to be cut, mm. catching a touchdown like that, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, this is insane. How is this team going to the playoffs? While Boston Scott doesn't have like the greatest yards per carry, he also has like three touchdowns. The guy had 138 <laughs> combined yards, four, four receptions, 84 yards on top of 54 rushing yards on, on 19 carries. Joshua Perkins has 50 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Burnett has 48 yards. Greg Ward has six catches for 43 yards was a good target for Wentz who Wentz starts to, it looks it's looking like he has a lot more trust in him now as the season has gone along Robert Davis had a great catch that was wiped out by the Halapuli Vati Vaitai hold of Vaitai kind of struggled in this game but then you get you get Wentz on the hoof later and look I, I'm a big fan of letting the Bronco buck LTBB and you get him on the move and you let Wentz you know have some time out there in space and find guys downfield and he was able to do this and give this guy give these guys chances through the touchdown to Perkins which made it 10 to 3 then when it was you know 17 to 7 you know or 17 to 17 Wentz finds Robert Davis down the field wiped out by that hole but then you know later on he finds Deontay Burnett these are real players making real plays for the Eagles in week 17 that would set up a clutch 50-yard field goal from Jake Elliott to make it 20-17 to with 13.58 left in the fourth. The Eagles would not relinquish the lead. I think they're playing with house money now. Like, I don't think you can be disappointed if this team goes like one and done. We don't know the status of Brandon Brooks and Miles Sanders, obviously, but they're going to be depleted. You know, you're not getting Deshaun ba- D- uh, Jackson back next week. You can't get him back until the divisional round anyway. Is this is this legit house money for you? And what do you think of the chances for the Eagles moving forward? Because, I mean, I don't think it really matters if they're playing you know whoever they're playing in the playoffs but what do you think about the Eagles in the playoffs moving forward I think I'm finding myself where I kind of was last year where you reach a certain point with this team where it's like how could you doubt them like how (laughs) how like how could you possibly doubt them because every time you do and I certainly did when they lost to the Dolphins I said they effing suck because they did at the time and I think they deserved a lot of guff they got back then obviously I mean they've just they've shocked us really at every turn but at the same time it's not like just a fluke like that's the point of this. Like the the way this team has continued to overcome adversity is more than fluky. Like there's something to that. It's you want to talk about culture. That's the culture right yeah. there is being able to overcome adversity and resiliency. So uh, it's incredible. I would not count this team out. Again, they've won four games in a row going into the playoffs. When you look at it on paper, yeah, obviously you're like, okay, how the heck are they going to overcome not having Zach Ertz potentially for the rest of the season and whatever happens with Brandon Brooks and then even Miles Sanders, like. I get it from that sense of like, you don't feel amazing about it conceptually. Every week I ask for three words to describe the game from the listeners, from Danny Thompson, Wentz is clutch. I mean, that's something that we were talking about for the past couple of years. Can Wentz get it done in the big moments, you know, the game winning drives when the division's on the line and the big push games because he had struggled earlier on in the season when a lot was at stake. You look at the New England game, you look at the Seattle game, the earlier Dallas game, but then he puts together some wins against divisional opponents. You know, they, they beat up on, on Dallas and are able to get to this point. It's nice to know at the very least. That the quarterback, I mean, I think we can finally settle this, is not the problem 
on the Eagles. All of the doubters have gone away in the last few weeks as Carson <laughs> has, you know, risen that, that tide in all those boats. The Eagles already won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Like, we're already through the looking glass. Things have already been weird. This is the NFL. Anything can happen, man. I had the poll up on BleedingGreenNation.com about that at the time in an article after the Dolphins game. And everyone's emotional here, so I'm not holding everyone to this. I get it. Everyone's yeah. really frustrated. But I put up a poll. Do you want the Eagles to make the playoffs? And 34% of the voters here Ooh. with 3,610 voting said yes. So only 34% said yes. So 66% said no. Crazy. People didn't even want to make the playoffs. I know. And I, I, I understood it at the point because you thought, okay, maybe they can make it. But what's the point? Like they're not going to do anything. That is absolutely not the way to be feeling now. And even if they were one and done, when you talk about house money, this concept, I mean, it's going to be disappointing anytime they lose in the playoffs. But the fact that they've made it this far and they've prevented the Cowboys from being the first team since the Eagles lasted it in 2004 to repeat as NFC champions, I think that says something. Again, going towards the future, it's it's just such a sign of hope. It's like you answered the big questions about mm-hmm. Doug and about Carson. And I still have some questions about Howie, but he obviously deserves some credit for this team and having the depth to get to the playoffs. I, I think a big thing for me is that this is now Carson Wentz's team. This this is no longer yes. the, the question of living well in Nick said. Foles' shadow or anything like that. This has, by way of devastating injuries and the and the amount of them and to the specifics, you know, skilled players, this is Carson's team now. Not every year is running back one, running back two, like RT1, RG1, wide receiver one, two, three, so on and so forth. That's not going to, you aren't going to have those injuries every single year. You put a, a solid, consistent supporting cast around Carson Wentz, and I think you're going to see big time results. I mean, Carson Wentz could have played at the same level he's played at pretty much all year, and if he had better playmakers around him, not dropping the the deep balls and the game winning touchdowns and everything like that, he didn't. Have, he wouldn't have to change anything. He would have had a great season. The, the, the whole narrative around him would have changed because that's worth two or three wins. You know, it's it's not nine and seven is fine. But, you know, you're talking about 11 and five now, 12 and four. I think that that's what this team is consistently capable of when you have a quarterback that can allow you to be in any game. And I think it's huge for Carson's confidence moving forward as well to know that, like, I don't have to press. Like, I, I, it's not all on me. I, I can I can be a facilitator. I can put it on the other guys because they're going to come pick me up when I need them. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Wild card round, Seattle 17, Philadelphia 9. The Eagles season is over. You are not flying high, but you are on the Kissed and Solak Show episode 168. Brought to you by SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game for our last reaction show of the 2019-2020 NFL season. He is Benjamin Solak. Ben. It wasn't exactly the playoff experience that we were looking for with Carson Wentz, but Oy. it was uh, an exhausting experience nonetheless. How you doing, brother? Everything is sad. It's delicious, but it's a sad delicious. I feel like we, we ran a marathon. Like That game was exhausting. Just watching the Eagles try 
to desperately eke out like every single art of a yard of offense they could out of the Josh McCown led six sack <laughs> Philadelphia Eagle offense. Right, watching watching the running game just slam their heads into heavy boxes on third downs when the Eagles are just trying to to string together a couple of big plays. Watching the defense just blitz the living daylights out of Russell Wilson, praying that they could get pressure on him. I mean, it was a hard, long, and difficult watch, and it was awfully soured by the absence of Carson Wentz, who just, uh, you don't even know what to say at this point. It's terrible. It's terrible that a player would play that well in 2017, go down with injury, watch his team go to the playoffs, win the playoffs, win the Super Bowl, watch him come back in 2018, struggle with health, eventually go down at the end of the season, and then watch the team come back, make it the playoffs, win a playoff game. And then he finally gets his team to the end of the regular season, and he gets six snaps before it's <laughs> taken away by just like an, an awful, terrible, avoidable play. I cannot imagine what that's like mentally for Carson. And he's got to spend now a third consecutive offseason, not necessarily in rehab, but sitting, working out, and preparing for a season once again, like with this massive monkey on his back in terms of proving, screw screw injury prone. He has nothing to prove in terms of whether or not he's injury prone, whether or not he's, he's physical. None of that is real. None right. of that matters. No interest to me and has no bearing on the Jadavian Clowney play whatsoever. But having to prove that he can not only take a team to the playoffs, but be a consistently good quarterback for 20 games in a season. Because even though we have no evidence to the contrary, we have no evidence to the point because he hasn't been able to put it together yet. And that Mm. is a dark and heavy cloud. And I have asked before, does Carson Wentz start to believe like that he's a bit snake bitten and you add this into this to where he has to think about it for the entire offseason. And it's it's devastating. This specific play, and you already alluded to this, that it doesn't fit into the injury prone narrative. And you can say he's injury prone if you want. Even after a full regular season, if you're basing it on his past, whatever, I don't care. They're just words. They don't matter. I just don't think this has anything remotely to do with that. And I think it's square pegging a round hole. Told you so nonsense from a select group of knuckle-dragging, sewage-sucking dipshits that are pushing the narrative that getting hit by a car makes you a magnet. The story is an Eagles team that yet again found the next man up and found a way to stay in the game to a point where it was a four-point game within 846 left in the third quarter to where it's a one-score game. It's a 17-9 to final. They were within eight points. They had two critical fourth downs that they were not able to convert. I agree with Doug on going for them, which we can talk about. But th- this whole thing, staying in, in this game the way that they did and the way that they fought and the way that they ended the season over the last month plus. Right. The question I ask myself is like, if I like, if you're calling the game, you would want to be able to hypothesize to the listeners and viewers, what should they expect yeah. from the Eagles now that, you know, you lose your starting quarterback? What's the plan? My plan was Greg Ward, which is like mostly for fun. <laughs> but like, honestly, I thought like would have been would have been a good plan. What you saw from McCown, they had a lot of out breaking stuff with him, right? I mean, tight yeah. ends twelve to fifteen yards uh, uh, outside. McCown had a live arm; he had some pop to it. You said you said he's throwing with the force of a thousand suns. There, he was slinging a pill around the yard a little bit. Seahawks did very much so what they were trying to do in the first game, which is they're just going to take away your in-breaking stuff. They have those two really good linebackers that talked about sinking uh, uh, underneath all those intermediate breaking routes. So throw outside against leverage. So I thought the Eagles did a good job with that with McCown. They they were definitely, I think, got too conservative play calling with McCown and had to get out of that. I think they did a better job in the fourth quarter, even coming out in the third with a couple passes. Yeah. When they first put McCown in the second, they were like, all right, we're running the ball and calling screens. Like we're right. we're we're scared. A lot of their runs in the first quarter 
first half were setting up play action rollouts. They were running jets, a uh, jet motion constantly. They were running just traditional wide zones. So you were looking for split zone rollouts, and you were looking for for uh, whatever it's called for for three level flood off of a weak boot. And that's where Carson was going to be successful with McCown for whatever reason, because McCown's not a bad athlete. We saw him keep his own read for eleven yards. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't want him doing that. And that was a problem because McCown's pocket presence has been booty. Like when he was young, it was booty. You know what I mean? Like this isn't this is like an old guy thing. The other thing about McCown, which was a big deal, was that he drastically limited the Eagles in the red zone. And he limited the Eagles in the red zone because he's not a quick processor. He's a slow processor who needs to do work pre-snap. So the Eagles couldn't throw guys wrong in the red zone. They had to get into the looks they wanted to get into, into those short areas before the snap and that's really really difficult to do you need to basically guess right like you need to just get the defense in a bad look by happenstance it's not something you can easily create for yourself they ran the ball well they ran the ball well they got some explosive plays matt Pryor, i think is a a good long-term depth piece for this line i'm really impressed how he plays in the interior sanders had a good game running the ball scott a game running the ball that went according to plan only so much running offense can do for you when it's josh mccown throwing to shelton gibson you're kind of (laughs) hog tied there as far as it goes yeah the big uh big pass interference drawn by shelton gibson aka the, the the best deep threat on the eagles apparently in this game but josh mccown 18 for 24 174 I mean, he had a respectable game. They got Miles Sanders out in the flat. Zach Ertz, you know, does his job on the rub route and whatnot, and the defender's late getting over. I thought McCown was a little bit late on the throw. The throw was on the back hip, not out in front, a little bit low. Miles Sanders also should have caught it as well. Plenty of blame to pass around, but I don't think the blame lands on the coaching staff on this one. I thought it was a good decision. In a must-win game, you got exactly what you wanted. Execution was just lacking a little bit from, you know, Right. You got your backup quarterback in there, and 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 your rookie running back drops it. This is this is an eight point ball game. It ain't right. like this is like four or five or two field goals, does it? Yeah. You know what I mean. This is an eight point ball game. You score a field goal, you still need a touchdown to do anything. Obviously, you don't need the two point conversion. You'll take the lead, but you still have to get into the end zone. And the thing is, with this team and with McCown's red zone limitations, you don't expect to get into the end zone easily. So you have to take every shot you can when you're close. Yep. I, I thought fourth and four was the right call. Obviously, fourth and seven was the right call. And I thought play design-wise, when they came out, tra- uh, Trey to the right, nub tight end with the back to that side. I mean, everybody and their mama knew. This <laughs> is yeah. a front back swing. And, you know, <laughs> they came out in the same formation on the next one. Obviously, they ran the flare. It was, it was the flat route. But they've, they've been doing that that running back to the, to the open field, swinging them into space. Jadavian Clowney ends up being the drop player because of how Seattle's rushing. Great right. news. If you're able to put that ball over Clowney, which is the ideal placement for that throw, touchdown. McCown goes behind, and Sanders feels like he has to catch it while accelerating to make sure Clowney misses him, probably trying to make sure he picks up that first down. Can't blame him for it. It's, it's a tough catch. The, mm-hmm. the throw location is a debate, and then, you know, it ends up being a drop. So inches of execution, miles of results. You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of, we, we we know the Eagles are prone to high leverage drops this year. Metcalf ends up with 160 receiving yards, mm-hmm. the most by a rookie in a playoff game in the Super Bowl era. Mm-hmm. Obviously has the 53-yard touchdown, which is around midfield, which we told you about on the preview shows. Pre-snap motion looked like a bust, and it looked like another case of the Eagles having issues adjusting their coverage to that motion. It was just, I don't know what exactly the coverage they were trying to run, but it looked weird. It's been an issue for them all season. And, of course, uh, DK ends up eating them up for the for the majority of the game and has the, you know, cover zero at the end of the game, throw it up, and based on the rules that the Eagles had in coverage, either first in, first out, or whatever the rules were, Marcus Epps draws DK Metcalf in coverage, which, let me tell you, 
we know exactly how that's going to end up. So they're able to close the game out that way. Here's the thing about running a cover zero blitz on third and 10 with one timeout left with the game and the season on the line. Hmm. It just doesn't seem like a great idea. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> they gave up. So they had so many situations, second and 15, third and 15, all these different situations. And, and somehow they, they, they managed to blow them in the most frustrating ways, Ben. It was throw the kitchen sink at Wilson. Uh, Collinsworth did a good job identifying, you know, Jenkins would be in coverage over Hollister, be a QB spy over Russ and would occasionally free blitz when he knew he had an alley forced right. the issue. The Eagles, very clearly, we're going to do everything they could to move Russell Wilson off his spot and to keep him off tempo. Now, And it's something that worked for them in Week 12. It's something right. we talked about in the preview show. We saw it, and it was effective at certain spots. You've been blitzing more consistently all season than you ever have yep. before. Yep, 19th in blitz frequency, which is way higher than Schwartz has been in the past few years. Right. So then now you're you're the, this is what you need to generate this pressure. Okay, well, then you're coming with heat, and you're coming with heat, and you're coming with six, you're coming with five. Man coverage on the back end, you're getting third and 10 completions, 19 yards to Malik Turner on a dig route. Yeah, he's going to snap off your slot corner. Maddox and LeBlanc are, are, are good players, but they lose. You got Metcalf, 53-yard touchdown on a, on, on a second and long play-action shot, right where Seattle likes to take their play-action shots. You yep. rotate the safety down, you're in cover zero. You know, So all of this to say, they're doing it. Occasionally, they're getting the sacks and the hits necessary to stop drives. They're clearly tightening up when they get to the 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 red zone as well. They have a blocked field goal, you know, so on and so forth. Right. You get to third and 10. And you finally arrived at the play in which a sack doesn't really actually make anything better right. than an incompletion. It yeah, does. It's the same thing. Right. You still it's like have six yards of field position. It doesn't one matter. timeout. <laughs> Seahawks will still be punting from deep in their own territory. You'll still be getting the ball back with basically the same amount of time. You yeah. have finally arrived at the play in which it is just as good to get an incompletion as it is to get a sack in terms of game scripting. And you sell out. And you, and you end up house. and you end up with Marcus Epps on DK Metcalf. And not only do you bring the house, you so clearly are bringing the house. <laughs> right. And Marcus Epps like does not even know. And like Kravon LeBlanc's gonna be like, get the over here. We're two over three right now. Yeah. We need you in man coverage. Please come here. You By third the way, string safety we picked up from the Minnesota Vikings after we covered Anderson Deho. Cover DK Metcalf. We need you. Yeah. By the way, you're reading three and you're also checking two for vertical and you're taking two vertical. Like all that information is being disseminated to him as he's coming over. Yeah, <laughs> we we finally got to the play to run picket fence. We finally arrived. That's what's just amazing. Is like situ- we, as we know with Schwartz and end of game situations, situationally, he just makes the weirdest decisions <laughs> at the ends of halves. Just yeah. perplexing. You ask Danny Cannell. Kennel? Canal? Oh, boy. Right? Then Carson Wentz just has a soft brain. <laughs> this is the take. He was like, not all brains are the same. Thank well, you, I Daniel. Mean, every brain is a snowflake. That's what we got out of that. <laughs> every and brain for- is a snowflake. Did I, I mean, love this season? No. <laughs> but, like, at the end of the day, hard fought. Hard fought last December and hard fought game in, in January against a good Seahawks team. A Seahawks team that was a pass interference call away from being the third seed in the NFC. From being the division champion in NFC West. Can you imagine thinking we'd be here after the Miami Dolphins Right, lost? exactly. What if I told you, you know? Who's right. more likely to get fired? Mike Rowe or Jim Schwartz on three. After three. One, two, three, name. One, two, three, Mike Rowe. Rowe. Okay. Wow, okay. Okay, okay, so we're there. Right. we're there. We're there, we're there, we're there. Right. Jimbo's not getting fired. This defense is really good at home. And half of your games are at home. And so this defense is really good half of the time. Yeah. And so we'll survive. It would be nice 
if we got some new players for the defensive back seven, though, maybe just as a hypothetical, just as a something, just as an I don't know, just as, you know, a potential, just maybe for sure. If you didn't have a good time during Houston and Buffalo, you don't have a damn pulse because that was some of the most electrifying, both good and bad quarterbacking I've ever seen on planet Earth. That was amazing. Seahawks Green Bay is going to be a fun football game. And if yeah. we get ourselves some snow, <laughs> listen, Seahawks and Green Bay have met a lot in the playoffs over the last decade or so. And they've been fun games. That's mm. going to be a hoot and a holler. Uh, I hope Minnesota gets pantsed by uh, San Francisco. And I, I very much will. expect them to. Would not enjoy Vikings in the NFC Championship game again. So on that. No one even knows what anything is because Jacob Hollister, like, tapped Malcolm Jenkins on the head and got called for OPI, which like really didn't have the same impact on the play or the game, obviously. I agree. Nobody knows what's real. Everything is stupid. Josh McCown threw a ball that didn't even land in the screen and <laughs> Trey Flowers got called for offensive pa- for defense pass interference on Greg Ward. I have no idea what this penalty is. Every penalty that gets addressed during the offseason by the referees gets more confusing in the subsequent season. I, it was a heck of a ride. I left it all out there. I know that much. <laughs> I had a really great time playing for the Eagles. I'm Does that McCown? Yes, and it's in my face. It's in my eyes. It's in my nose. Okay. It's going to cry. We're going to be here. We hope that you stick with us as well. If you've enjoyed the show over the season, go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. If you have things you'd like to hear in the off season, we always love to open up this call, and I'm sure we'll do it more formally in the next upcoming episodes. But if you have stuff you want to hear in the off season, if you have stuff you want to see in the off season, we're always available. The DMs are open. The ads are there on Twitter at Benjamin Solak, at NFL. Let us know, and we want to do that to you. It's what they pay us the bigs. They, that's what they pay us the big bucks for to do those things for you guys. So that would make us very happy. We hope it make you happy as well. For the final post game time this season, he's been Michael Kist. I've been Benjamin Solak. We appreciate you listening, and we will catch you in the middle of the week. We all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles, fly.